fade in. A golden smog obscures everything. Welcome to the first ever episode of Keeping Up With The Carving Tree. I'm Jacob. And I'm Sean. And we will be doing a podcast diary of a short film we're making. It's a sci-fi folk film under the working title The Carving Tree. We met at university studying media production and we made a few short films together during that time. This is our first foray into professional filmmaking outside of university. Really, we know a little bit about filmmaking, but we're far from experienced, and so this will be a huge learning process for us, but we thought that it might be something that other people will be able to learn from too. And that's why we're making this. We're going to be documenting the complete production process, so taking you through from the conception of the very idea, the writing, the development, the production, and hopefully the final release uh, which should all be very exciting, and we hope that you'll want to engage with the podcasts, listen along, comment, message in, join us on social media, and kind of turn this into a good community-built short film. We just want to say up front that there will be spoilers. This is a podcast dedicated to telling you everything that's happening and why everything is happening. So if you would rather not know any of that information and wait until the film's actually released then you can just follow along on social media where we can interact on a regular basis. But for now, I think we're going to talk about the film. So before we get too far into this podcast, you need to know what you're getting yourself in for. So we should probably tell you a little bit about the film that we're going to be making. The story is still being written and rewritten, and so a lot may change between now and when the film actually ends up coming out. So we're going to be quite vague, but here is what we have so far. The Carving Tree is a sci-fi folk film, as we said, that is like Blade Runner if it was directed by Guillermo del Toro and produced by Greenpeace. The Carving Tree is about people being unwilling to make certain sacrifices and what happens to the things we try to protect by protecting them. In our case, it's about a woman called Ida who refuses to sacrifice what's left of her childhood home despite the environmental hazard that surrounds it. We find our way to Ida through a scientist dedicated to the preservation of life, and they must try and convince Ida to leave her home behind. And it's a self-perpetuating kind of vicious cycle where her lifestyle is causing the hazardous environment in which she lives, but due to her own willingness to change, it's just going to get worse and worse. So if that sounds even remotely interesting to you, then uh, keep listening to this podcast. We'll be going into a lot of detail. In future episodes, we'll be talking about the process itself, about how we've gotten to the point of having a drafted script that we're sending out to people to get feedback on. And we'll go through the process of going through pre-production, storyboarding, production, as and when that happens, and getting other members of the crew, cinematographer, editors, colour graders, whoever, to come and talk as well about their time on the film. But today's episode is about what led up to this point, how myself and Sean grew into the storytellers that we are today. So on that note, Sean, would you like to introduce yourself to the good listeners at home and what it is that made you want to be a storyteller? So I'm Sean and I'm the screenwriter for the project. I think it was Doctor Who that almost entirely made me want to become a storyteller. Yeah, it makes uh, sense. 
growing up, my dad and I would watch classic Doctor Who episodes almost religiously on UK TV Gold. And I say religiously because it was every Sunday at 9am, almost <laughs> without fail. And the concept of go anywhere, do anything with anyone for any reason, as the format of the show allows, even places that just don't exist, in fact, probably more so because of it, was entirely tantalizing to my little child brain. And it kind of went hand in hand with my then developing moral compass. The character of the Doctor became probably the first conscious point of reference for good and bad and why people should do certain things and why they shouldn't do other things and how they should treat other people. Yeah. So storytelling kind of became quite associated in my head with understanding who we are as people. And I found that that is essentially reflected in every single story ever told be it from Grimm's fairy tales to modern day fairy tales like Black Mirror, for example. Almost every story is about understanding people, but more so it's about making us better, acknowledging when we're not as good as we should be, and striving to give cause to be better. And so I continually found myself going to stories and movies and books and poems and any other form of, of story like song even, to find those kind of tidbits of knowledge and help. In that way that only art can help guide someone in their emotional development, where academic stuff only scratches the surface. Yeah, it's stuff that provides a deeper engagement. And I just found myself wanting to produce that kind of content because I, I couldn't pinpoint exactly, but like everyone else, there was a point that came where I just kind of thought about the world and I went, a lot of stuff is not right. And obviously, you, you, you can't shape the world in, in your one image, but it just makes me want to say something about all this stuff that's going wrong in the world and try and make it better. And I think the best way to do that or the more mainstream kind of way to almost guarantee the engagement with subjects and topics like that is film. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's about trying to provoke change through discussion, through opening a discussion as opposed to going, here are some answers. It's about trying to provoke change through discussion, but it's also about trying to provoke change through empathising and understanding. I think that's the key point, is that we want to understand ourselves, but to do that we have to learn how to care about ourselves. And I think encouraging caring about other people in the world is a good way to go. How about you, Jacob? Uh, well, my name's Jacob, and I am the director for this little short film, The Carving Tree. And you and I both have somewhat similar and also very different initiations into the world of storytelling. You had uh, a man in a blue box traveling around the universe, uh, teaching people how to be good. I had a man in sandals traveling around the Middle East, teaching people how to be good. Uh, I was brought up in a Christian household where Bible stories are the kind of root place to go to learn about the world that you're growing up in. There's lots of theological arguments about how true various things in the Bible are, but it's universally agreed that Jesus told fictional stories to help teach his followers about his philosophies on how to be a good person. And no matter your religious beliefs, a good many of his stories do teach universal truths on how to be a good person. And so growing up in that atmosphere, I gained a great appreciation for stories with strong moral centres to them. 
the idea of being able to teach people through telling stories uh, was incredibly important and was something that I wanted to become a part of. I wanted to be able to teach, like I said earlier, teach through asking questions in stories. So we'll come to this a bit later, but asking what if in a story, I think, is a great provocateur for discussion and for changing your way of thinking. And then growing up alongside uh, my Christian life was also the fact that I was born and bred in Sherwood Forest with tales of adventure and Robin Hood's Again, another moral figure, uh, though one a bit more dubious, a bit more... Oh, I don't know, actually. I was going to say he breaks the law more, but I don't know. Jesus broke the law a lot, too. But yeah, he uh, Robin Hood is this kind of figure of adventure and heroism uh, really kind of introduced me to that basic uh, understanding of fairy tale story. From there, I gained an interest in folk stories and why folk stories are important and how they grow and develop and how, again, stories come down to teaching people about the world they're living in and how folk stories were used to do that just as much as in religious texts. So that's kind of my background to storytelling. Broad, but all kind of pointing in the same direction. It's informative. It helps in our collaboration, I think. There's a strange thing about wanting to be a storyteller, which is that Certainly storytellers who want to point something out in the world and say, hey, maybe it should be this way and not this way, is that there's a slight implication of arrogance in that almost what we have to say is what needs to be heard and needs to be said. We're not necessarily approaching it in that way, though, are we? No, I think I think you're right. There, There is a lot of ego. Goodness knows there's a lot of ego in making films and telling stories in general. There was an awful lot of ego in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I can give you that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we I think our approach is a bit more, as we've said a couple of times now, it's about putting the questions out there and challenging the status quo as opposed to angling everything towards our own ideologies. We're just asking the questions. Uh, yeah, I think our, our approach is presenting a situation that is informed by certain ideas but in the end is just a complete experience that an audience member can absorb and take away with them and allow it to ruminate in their own head and allow them to draw their own conclusions. We are trying to have kind of a neutral standpoint going into creating this. It will not happen. There will be our own biases in there because that's how storytelling works but this is the aim this is kind of something we're striving for is to try and come out of this neutral just asking this open question and allowing you to think about and come up with your own answers so that kind of sums up why we both got into storytelling but there are many different ways of telling stories as you mentioned earlier you can write novels you can write songs you can um, write, poems. write poems so why on earth did we pick film because i can't sing <laughs> I mean, I can, but uh, not very well, and only in the shower. I don't think it's quite the audience no. grabber. <laughs> <laughs> so I think because film is a universal medium, and I think our subject is a universal topic, um, it was only natural that film and this idea go hand in hand, because so many methods of storytelling are filtered through language, and while... Bits and pieces of this will be filtered through the English language. Not everyone understands the English language. So because it's got a visual component to it, as well as the auditory and the narrative 
expressing things visually is the most effective way to communicate an idea to an audience. Not only is it instantaneous, so for example, if you were hearing something and you understood the language it was being spoken in, but it wasn't your mother tongue, you have that process of translating it in your head, whereas visually the implication of the imagery and the recognition of its associations with each individual person is instantaneous. So it comes down to the melting pot of different sensory inputs that kind of come together to create a better whole. So it's not just the narrative that you'd get within a novella. It's not just the imagery that you might get in an art gallery. It's not just the sounds that you'd get from uh, listening to an album. Um, it's not just the poetry. The imagery of a poetry is a combination of all these different factors coming Absolutely. together that creates a great whole. And I think the story that we're wanting to tell particularly has such an important visual component, as well as needing a narrative drive, as well as needing that imagery, as well as needing the emotional connection that music gives. It's a, it's a story that requires the combination of all those elements. Yeah, really... if you were to tell it in any other way, you'd be losing aspects of it. Absolutely. And when you've got a project that is so universal, you need to make sure that you're producing something that is appealing to almost everyone's way of life. If you're creating a film, you've got to create something that lives up to and fills every part of being a film. Because if you're just writing something that's a good narrative, then you might as well just write a book. Yeah. It has to be that kind of all-encompassing idea. Mm. So we decided that we wanted to tell a story. We sat down, we looked at all the different options of ways of telling a story, and we decided that the idea that we got was best suited for film. Mm-hmm. We sat down to make a film, and out of all the possible genres, because the root of the idea could be manipulated in so many different directions, uh, it could have been a drama, it could have been a horror, it could have been fantasy, we went with sci-fi. Why did we go with sci-fi? Is it because we hate ourselves? Maybe. I think it's because we don't hate ourselves. If we were making this as a full-body fantasy film, then yeah, I would be down for some psychological counsel that would be worse i think um it sci-fi has got quite a few meanings and associations so like you say sci-fi do we mean a huge interplanetary time traveling epic saga of films or do we mean something more relative to our own world with similar technological aspects but which is entirely grounded in a human experience rather than the spectacle of what sci-fi can offer. In our case, it is, it is the latter. We aren't going for a huge globe-trotting interplanetary epic. Not yet. Um, as the next project. Yeah. I think you're right. I think sci-fi has kind of two angles to it. It's got the spectacle angle where you've got Star Wars, for instance, which mm. is often described as a space opera as opposed to yep. sci-fi specifically. But you've got that kind of as one extreme of it being about the aesthetic and setting of space. And you've got the other extreme where it's almost entirely boiled down to you're on Earth, you're five years in the future, if that. Mm. The technology is all very similar. It's just giving a little bit of distance to be able to tell a slightly more allegorical story. Yeah, and I, th I, I think it's that allegory that's key. Sci-fi has a built-in association of being allegorical. So if you go to a sci-fi film, 
you understand for the most part that you're more likely to come away with an understanding of something new or uh, an understanding of something that you otherwise thought differently about than you would if you came away from, say, like a rom-com. A rom-com is there to make you feel all lovey-dovey and happy. Rom-coms provide a certain reassurance, whereas something like a fantasy is almost entirely escapism. And obviously, from what we've just been talking about, about our upbringing and our understanding of the purpose of stories, it just wouldn't make sense for this project to be anything other than a sci-fi. I think it's, it's definitely the category that it fits into best. Yeah, um, we do have that little folk aspect which is nice. It kind of gives it a, a slightly different aesthetic almost. It grounds it further and kind of yeah. keeps it a bit more about the people in the story. It's about the characters a bit more so than it is about the world. Again, you've got different kinds of sci-fi where sometimes it's all about the world that's been built and just wanting to show off the setting and the place that this uh, story is mm. taking place. Not... 100%, obviously, there's varying degrees within this, but Blade Runner is a little bit more about the world that was created yeah. than it is about the characters within that world. Mm -hmm. Whereas something like Pan's Labyrinth is about the characters going into the new world. Mm. And so you do have that aspect of the world, but it's grounded entirely from the character's perspective. Yeah, all rather the than... narrative points are about the character and their personal arc as opposed to how that character is reacting to their setting. Obviously, there are aspects way. of both in, in both films. We're not yeah. saying that Blade Runner is entirely devoid <laughs> of character. To be honest, I think Blade Runner 2049 is one of the most spectacular character arcs I've seen. But it's where their kind of character arc hinges. It hinges on the world that he's living yeah. in as opposed to... The characters are a product of a pre-made world. We have aspects of both in there. So what we've got is Ida, who is essentially our focus point. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to use the word protagonist or antagonist. Um, so you got Ida at the uh, centre of it. We've got, yeah, we've got Ida at the centre of it, but we're coming in to Ida from an outsider's perspective. So it just kind of helps keep the characters at the front and centre and it's mm. their internal arcs as opposed yeah, to... The environment itself is very much a character, though. There is, you know, from what we've discussed about what we're doing with this current draft, there is at least one instance of essentially agency from the environment working alongside both characters but it does so in such a way that's more akin to something like the environment in uh, annihilation for example it is simply nature and it is simply working the way that nature knows how to work but it is working in that way regardless of anything else it's very much a key aspect of the story hmm. if you removed the setting then the story would mean nothing. Um, yeah, sometimes that's true. you could take a story, and you could supplant it anywhere. You could have Star Wars take place in space, but with a completely different set of planets, and it wouldn't really make that much difference to the story. Yeah. Or set it in feudal Japan, and suddenly it's still the same story. <laughs> exactly. Whereas if you tried to change the environment, it's such an integral part of the story of the carving tree that you would just end up with a fundamentally different film. Yeah. In, in many ways, the environment is the point, in fact. So you couldn't... So yeah, we've yeah, given you, you a lot of information there about anything the film the that we're making. We've talked a lot about ourselves and about the macro aspects of the story. 
and I really hope that you've found it interesting. Uh, you find the concept interesting enough that you're going to keep listening to this podcast and maybe engage with us on social media. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Eda Carving Tree, which is E-D-A Carving Tree. Or you can find us individually. I'm at Jacob S. Redfern, R-E-D-F-E-R-N. And I am at Sean Olding. S-E-A-N-O-L-D-I-N-G. Not the other way of spelling Sean. It's very important. None of the many other ways of spelling Sean. (laughs) So yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening to our first episode. Uh, We'll be releasing these on a monthly basis. So uh, look out on Twitter for updates on when episode two will be released. You'll be able to find these anywhere uh, you find good podcasts. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.